0: Welcome back to another episode of the FearCast. This is the podcast dedicated to OCD, anxiety, anxiety spectrum, and getting your life back. I'm your host, Kevin Foss, and uh, I'm a licensed clinician specializing in the treatment of OCD and anxiety spectrum disorders. So welcome everybody to the show. For those of you who are new to it, uh, this is a typically question and answer based podcast where you, the listener, get to send me, the therapist, questions about OCD and treatment and how to help your friends and how to help yourself. Uh, kind of navigate and manage um, anxiety and just stuff that makes us feel uncomfortable and stuff that just kind of sucks. So this is uh, this is one of those episodes where I'll be answering a listener question. So what you can do if you have a question that you would like me to answer on the podcast, you can go over to fearcastpodcast.com and click on the submit a question link and you can send me an email with um, I, I, with your question and I will read it, consider it, and likely put it up on a future episode. I've also been asking people that if you would like to get uh, to the top of the list and, and um, uh, kind of cut the line, send me an audio question. And that is what happened Today, so somebody uh, last week sent me a uh, a question. They recorded their recorded their question uh, into their computer. They uploaded that audio into a shared Google Drive. I read or I I got that email. So they went over to FearcastPodcast.com and did the and submit a question in that link. They included uh, or in that following that link, uh, sending me the email. In the body of that email, they put the link to the shared drive. And here we are talking about it. So, that is something that you can do. So, I also have another one that I'll be answering next week from someone who sent me that same question or sent me an audio question through Instagram. So, I am a Fearcast podcast over at Instagram. I sometimes will post things. I do not post things nearly as as much as I I suppose ought to. If I was a good Instagram or in, uh, internet-based Um, I don't know, social media savvy person, I'd be posting things more often. But guess what? I ain't. So I would like to be. It's one of those situations where, you know, you'd like to do something, but ultimately you find out that you don't want to do something or you don't do it, which I think may just reflect that I just don't really want to do it in the first place, which is probably accurate. Anyhow, moral of the story is I'm not posting things as much as I ought to. But you can send me messages over at over at Fearcast podcast on uh, instagram and uh, i will be uploading that uh, to a future episode so everybody if you um have have listened before thank you so much for coming back if you like the show go over to um or go over to wherever you are getting your podcast if it's if it's itunes or if it's um uh, android android podcasts or if it's going to be through stitcher or if it's going to be you, you get the idea write a review give a give a thumbs up give uh, five stars, whatever it is over there, um, I would greatly appreciate it. Again, it, it ultimately just helps other people to find it, and, uh, and, and it shows your support. If you also like the show, most the most important thing that you can do is to actually just tell someone. So tell a, tell a, a, a person, perhaps, who may need the information. You found it. Uh, perhaps because there's information in it that you needed and uh, uh, you can pass that information on to somebody else. Tell a group, tell your therapist uh, that this is information that was perhaps helpful. So um, not that this podcast necessarily needs advertising, but um, that's one way to get the information out. So today's question comes from Anna. She asks a great question, one that I don't think we've answered here before. I've answered here before. So um, uh, I'll play that audio here and then you'll hear me in a moment.
1: Hi, Kevin. Um, First and foremost, thank you so much for continuing to make your podcast. Um, I'm sure you get messages like this all the time, but it's uh, been a huge help in my journey with OCD and um, being able to use the right vocabulary when seeking help. And so it's been invaluable to me. So first of all, thank you. Um, So my question is, As I have now been in ERP treatment for some months, I'm now finding that my quote unquote themes of my obsessions are really radically jumping between seemingly completely unconnected things. One minute it's uh, questions about my sexuality, another one is POCD, another one could be harm. um, And they all feel equally intense so my question is, in terms of tackling these, do I keep writing imaginal scripts for each one that comes up? Do I keep doing a sort of whack-a-mole approach to all of these different themes or is there a better overarching way of actually approaching all of these different OCD thoughts as one I'm starting to go a bit crazy chasing all the different themes at different times? Um, Anyway, sending thanks and regards from the UK. Thanks. Bye.
0: All right, Anna, thank you so much for that question. I see stuff like this happen in my practice a, a, a lot, a lot from time to time. I don't know, it, it it happens. What you're experiencing is something that does happen. It is not something that is unique to you. You are not uniquely broken or uniquely struggling. It's something that happens to a lot of people in treatment. So it's something where, for those of you who who are, are perhaps new to the process and hearing Anna's question, so she was talking about different subtypes of OCD. So she said our OCD she said HARM. She said um, HOCD. So these are, um, they're just little acronyms that we in the OCD community, you know, in OCD land, as I say, um, it's it's just a, a bit of a, a, a bit of a, I don't know, a, a shorthand for us to know kind of what what the general theme is, what the general likely obsessions are, general likely triggers and compulsions are. So, our OCD is going to be focused on relationships. Um, so, relationship OCD, there's going to be harm. I guess that kind of gives it away right there. So, it's going to be harm-related thoughts and obsessions. So, it might be images of someone of, of, of a violent nature, or it might be um, f- feeling like there are urges to harm someone or harm oneself. Um, there can also be HOCD, and that's typically referred to as uh, homosexual OCD, which is now a, a, another term that's commonly used as sexual orientation OCD. It is it's it's an obsession about one's sexual orientation and whether or not it's going to change, or whether or not what they're currently experiencing is genuine, or if there's something that they're going to uh, shift, or something that they're going to shift into that doesn't quite jive with who it is that they are. So sometimes, well, first off, I should also say. All of those things I just mentioned, they're all just OCD. That's the diagnosis, and that's, and that's what we'd be treating is OCD. But having that shorthand just kind of saves us some time in, in understanding what the a person might be going through. Now, of course, everybody's different. I could have two people in my office, both of whom have harm obsessions or, quote, harm OCD. And you know what? They're going to be very different to people with, with sexual orientation OCD, and they're going to be very different. So, um, it's, it's shorthand, but it's not magic. It's not, it's not uh, all-encompassing. Anyhow, so I suppose all that to say, if, if, if you hear uh, something on this podcast where we're talking about HOCD or sexual orientation OCD, and you go, that ain't me, that's fine. It's, everybody's going to be different. Your, uh, your experience may vary. Your experience will vary. Anyhow, with all that being said, so uh, so what what Anna's experiencing is that, that she's she's having a, a shift in in the obsession. So it seems like her her the the nature and the main focus of her obsession is shifting from one week to the next or from one day to the next or whatever it may be but it's like this is all of us this new topic oh my gosh this thing freaks me out and then a week from then something else ah that's the thing that freaks me out or that's the worst thing for me the thing last week oh you know what not a big deal i don't know i was so worried about it it's not a big deal um But this thing, this thing this week is the worst. And then the next week, it might have switched the thing from two weeks before now is back, or it's a whole third thing. But moral of the story is these these things can switch and it's not the end of the world. So this is something that that I have called flavor of the week OCD. So it's it, it, it really is just a kind of an, an eye roll silly name to something uh, that, that occurs for some folks where it just seems like their obsessions keep flip-flopping from one thing to another. And we can, you know, if we're doing traditional uh, ERP treatment for it, which would be, um, so ERP exposure and response prevention, if we're doing typical treatment for it, we're going to make a hierarchy and we're going to start with the lowest stuff on the list and we're going to start moving up that list. Um, and what that kind of requires us to to do is to stick with one topic for a, a little bit un, until we, uh, you know, I- effectively bring the anxiety down by half and then move on to the next one. And this, you know, is is language that is not necessarily compatible with the um, inhibitory learning model uh, that we've talked about in the past. But that's ca- kind of a traditional um, treatment method that, that does also work and is very effective for a lot of people. So anyhow, so it can be hard because you know you'll meet with your therapist and you'll be talking about let's let's pick on harm ocd you're going to talk about harm ocd you're going to spend the entire session dealing with it and challenging things and processing it building or doing exposures in session and building a homework list for the week and then you go home and all of a sudden man now it's pocd which is pedophile ocd now that's the, everything that you're worried about so all the homework that you just put together with your therapist doesn't matter right because all of a sudden sudden, that's not the focus of your anxiety. Or that's not what's triggering your anxiety. It can feel exhausting. It can feel incredibly frustrating. What I love is that she said, like, do I just do this whack-a-mole approach, right? If you've ever played whack-a-mole, it's uh, it's this game where you know, you have this big giant mallet in this board in front of you. There are you know all these holes and literally a creature that looks like a mole, which I suppose looks like a, I don't know, a fat rat. Anyways, it pops out and you gotta hit the thing really fast and it, it goes back down to the hole. And then another one pops up and you hit that one. And then eventually, as you keep playing, a lot of them are coming up and you're just going all over the place and you're exhausting yourself trying to keep knocking these things down and they keep coming back up. Right? It's actually a fun game. I haven't played it in a while. It makes me kind of wanna play whack a mole now. Um, anyhow, it can feel like that in the world of, of treatment. So uh, what what I'm hearing in this, ultimately, when, when I work with someone who has who has kind of a flavor of the week OCD, is that uh, OCD has kind of been shifting more into just being overwhelmed by feeling and overwhelmed by all these unwanted and odd and feared thoughts more than necessary. And you Anna, are giving these new thoughts and giving those feelings way too much credit and it's it, it you, you've kind of developed this routine that 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 by doing exposures or by doing compulsions is the way to deal with these feelings and these unwanted thoughts so I'm going to talk a little bit about that here in a moment but that's that's kind of what I'm hearing it's basically a a we, we instead of need to, instead of needing to target one thing We kind of need to target the experience of all of them. Now, I I suppose essentially that's what we're doing across the board with any sort of treatment. It just seems to be a little bit more focused in other cases where flavor of the weak OCD is not the case. All right so as as OCD treatment goes to get a diagnosis of OCD someone has to have thoughts feelings images sensations or urges that cause anxiety and that lead them to doing these behaviors compulsions in order to try to manage or or, or to eliminate or to neutralize or undermine the anxiety or to make sure that that story is never going to happen the way that they fear now the obsessions are what we call ego dystonic meaning that they are incongruous with the person's genuine interest now that A lot of that is challenged through treatment and that, that a lot of that's processed through treatment where we look at the thought and we go, you know, ultimately this isn't for me. I don't want this. This isn't what I ultimately would like to do, but I fear that, well, what if it is something I want to do? So, ah, oh, that's terrifying that I might do that thing that I want to do last in the world. So oftentimes, generally speaking, by the time that someone comes and sees me or by the time that someone comes and sends a message to me on the podcast— they have litigated and relitigated that topic a bajillion times. They have Googled. They have asked. They have checked. They have acknowledged over and over that this thing is not for them, right? So the overall goal of treatment is actually in, is to actually just relearn that these thoughts and these feelings are okay, and that ultimately there's no response necessary for them. So I'll put it this way: problems demand solutions. But if these aren't problems, then there's nothing to do about them, right? So often we categorize OCD thoughts, OCD sensations as problems. It's a problem that I'm thinking violent thoughts. It's a problem that I'm questioning my relationship. So therefore, if it's a problem, well, I got to fix it, right? That's what we do as people, right? So what I'll say, though, is that OCD is more of a feeling problem and less of a thought problem, and less of a problem, problem. But we'll get to that. It's that you know you, you've likely told yourself that um, you know that this thought or this theme is wrong and it doesn't pertain to you, um, and that you you just but you just can't convince yourself that it's not, and you can't convince yourself to get rid of the feeling. Well, rather, let me go back. You've in a sense convinced yourself a hundred times through compulsions and reassurances and checking that it's not you. And you go, oh, okay, good. But that feeling comes back. Or you've told yourself this a thousand times, but it doesn't get rid of that feeling. Additionally, if you just had the thought, but you didn't have the feeling, you probably wouldn't do anything about it. You'd probably just say, Gosh, what a weird thought. Yeah, okay. Well, I got a weird thought, and you'd move on. Again the feeling convinces you that there is a problem, and it is very convincing. But at the end of the day, nothing needs to be done in order to make that feeling go away. Our job here is to learn to tolerate that feeling. Our job here is to make space for that feeling and to learn that that feeling and the presence of those thoughts is okay, and that you don't need to do anything about it. So, uh, Anna, what I'm talking about here for you is to start developing it, what, what I'm just going to call here today is a, a disengaged perspective on these thoughts. Now, ACT is going to call these uh, ACT is going to call this building diffusion or doing diffusion, whatever it may be. What being diffused is about or developing diffusion from your thoughts, so which is the opposite of fusion, which is connecting with your thoughts and being one with them, is that you are not engaged with them. You are not entangled with them. But instead, seeing, uh, but, but instead sees a thought, acknowledges it, and moves on, um, uh, unless it's pertaining to the moment or unless you want to do something with it. So at the end of the day, your response to these thoughts ought to be less, Whatever that might look like, or however we can get to that point, of giving this thought, or giving these, you, know, fluctuating thoughts, these thoughts that y- you just don't really want to have, less attention, less effort, less time. Now it's easier said than done, right? But your or your current focus is to rapidly squash the thought, or just, trying to like, or, or, in a sense, just giving that obsession unique attention and effort. Right. You kind of said that you're 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 working really hard to, to grab this one, grab that one and kind of follow it down, right? But ultimately, again, as we said, there there's no need for any unique thought or attention to any of them. Um uh, one way to envision this is um there there's a meme going around that's um it's like these two panels. I've talked about it before. I'll probably post it to the episode page at fearcastpodcast.com. Is it, it's it's one panel of someone Uh, looking at the camera and they say oh no and then the next one is anyways and they have a very kind of nonchalant face uh, uh, face going on and that's kind of the approach that we're doing here, right? It's when that, when that anxiety comes up of this new obsession, the response is going to be, oh no, and like naturally that's what you're going to experience. But the anyways response is the eye roll approach of just saying, okay, wh- whatever. If there's this new thought, okay, whatever. Or there's this new fear, okay, well, oh no. But anyways, and a, and a, a simple shift or a, a, a repeated shift forward in life, not to get stuck with that thought or that new one as if it's really, really important, but instead that shift on towards pretty much anything else. Now, one of your main questions was do I keep writing imaginal scripts for each? Now, I'll say this I'm going to, as a. Everything that I say here today ought to be reflected or ought to be chatted about uh, with your current therapist to see if it jives well with what he or she are doing um, in in your treatment, because they may be guiding you through treatment in a very specific way for a very specific reason that may that, that will uh, be for something that I just don't know. So, um, chat with them about what I'm about to say. So, one of the ways that I might work with this is to start writing imaginal exposure scripts, um, but or to continue writing ra- imaginal exposure scripts, but but, but to write and to read them consistently, um, essentially to put them into your schedule. So that might be you know you're going to focus for two weeks on one topic. So it's going to be two weeks of HOCD, and then it's going to be two weeks of harm OCD. And there're going to be scripts and exposures and things to do about that, um, whether or not your anxiety is impacted by it. So. And by two weeks, it can also be you know every two days you fluctuate, and now it's all right in my schedule. It says this is HOCD or this is POCD or this is ROCD, um, or this is scrupulosity, and that's what that's what this day or that's what this week or that's what these couple of days are about. And you do all the exposures that you do or that your therapist assigns. The whole point about that is is that you're saying, I can engage these thoughts, and I can have these thoughts, but I can have them on my terms, and I don't have to immediately change what I'm doing, stop what I'm previously doing, simply because of, this, of a new thought. I don't need to be derailed because the flavor of the week has suddenly changed. Instead, I'm going to stick to this thing that I'm doing, what it does is, again, it shows your brain that you aren't going to chase after every single thought, but you're going to be intentional about approaching a thought on your terms. Now, you can work with your therapist on the frequency of doing that and which exposures you're going to do for that time. Now, what do you do in the meantime of you know the fact that you're, you know, you're in HFCD week, but all of a sudden you're getting all these harm thoughts? Practicing what we're talking about or what I talked about before, acknowledging, yeah, you've, you've got that thought, You've got the, this new harm one, but that's not what this week is about. You'll get to whack a that one. You'll get to dealing with that one once it's, a, once it's harm week. Um, but until then, you know, you're, you're, we, we've got to put that one on hold. Now, what that's going to do is it's, it's just shifting, right? You're redirecting your attention towards something that you are saying is of greater value to you. Now, it sounds weird to then shift your focus then to another OCD subtopic, right? But, uh, as you've listened to previous episodes, you can shift your attention to almost anything, really. But, what we're trying to then do is to resist the urge to do a compulsion, to follow through with the compulsion, to do whatever you feel you need to do to whack-a-mole, to get the thing away. And if that means shifting towards—and in this, when you're uniquely anxious— Shifting to something else that you actually care about, that you actually value. And it might be the thing that's right in front of you. Work, friends, driving to school. It might be reading a book that you actually like. It might be playing video games. Just stuff that you actually care about. Not stuff that you do to get rid of that thought because the anxiety is going to be there. But again, we're learning that that anxiety is always going to go away when you let it go away, when you give it the opportunity to let it go away. So that's what we're trying to do with all of this is just shift your focus, grabbing onto something else that you actually care about more, and then attending to something. And then over time, that anxiety is going to, we're going to get bored with that, right? It'll come back, But then it'll go away. But when your anxiety is typically lower, that's when you can start to engage in whatever that that exposure was that you have scheduled to do. So, so again, you mentioned the whack-a-mole approach. The whack-a-mole approach is the opposite of what you ought to be doing. The whack-a-mole approach says, "I'm going to abandon the thing that I said that I was going to do, so that I do this." I'll put it this way: We don't do this in relationships. We don't whack-a-mole in in relationships. Typically, right, unless you are in an established open relationship or you're a non-monogamous person or whatever the, the thing might be for you, it's that, you know, we would commit to one person, typically in a traditional relationship, we'd date one person. And then all of a sudden, just because we see someone who is slightly more attractive or more charismatic or taller or whatever, we wouldn't then go, oh, tag with that person, you, you're my new person, and go with them. And then five minutes later, we see another attractive person, oh, you're my person now, Right? We acknowledge that there are all these attractive people, and then we kind of just shift back to the person that we're with for any number of reasons, right? This isn't a perfect example. I'm just making this one up as things go. So. And I hope this helps to give you an idea about one approach that you can do and another perspective that you can take on the flavor of the week type of OCD. So um, if you have follow-ups on this with how things are going, shoot me another message. I'll be more than happy to post that. Uh, And again, thank you so much for sending in this audio and best of luck. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for making it through that episode. If you have follow-up questions uh, uh, about this, or if you have any comments about this, about things that I missed, or things that I might have gotten incorrect, tell me over at fearcastpodcast.com. Tell me what I could have done differently. Maybe give suggestions to Anna. What do you do if you have a flavor of the week OCD. How do you deal with it? What has your therapist said? We all want to know. So go to fearcastpodcast.com, send me a message over there, um, and I'll be more than happy to add that to a future episode. So everybody, please remember that the FearCast is not a substitute for psychotherapy. If you have questions about treatment, um, uh, you can go over to fearcastpodcast.com, and go over to the Find Help link, and uh, there'll be some information that might be helpful for you there. So... Until next time, everybody, take a risk, challenge yourself, and don't take your brain too seriously. Bye.